Hey everyone, welcome to episode 67 of Bumper Sticker Faith Podcast. This is a little bit different of an intro, but today we had on the podcast Nathan Harrison, very special guest, because Nathan is my cousin. And as happens when us cousins get together, we just started talking. And luckily I, I had enough sense eventually to hit the record button, but that's why this intro starts the way it does, because we pick up on Nathan's story like partway into it. So that's what's happening uh, as we begin here. But today's episode is on slaying the dragon in church. And it's a, it's a powerful episode with Nathan Harrison. So we'll let him take it from here. When I was growing up, I called myself a Sunday school boy. Like um, I knew the truth, you know. So Lewis, even my calling, like I was a fraternity boy wrestling do I come back to my fraternity go back to Ashton University and gosh it was it would have been it would have been homecoming 1994 mm-hmm. where I lo- I actually lost two friends in a car crash like literally wow. and like this is not a joke I showed up on the scene five minutes later and they're a catcher on the football team screaming, they're dead, they're dead, they're all dead. Like literally, wow. Ryan Butash is running down the middle of the road. Wow. And it was a single mom and it was a baby. Mm. It was my girlfriend, like one of the girls I messed with, mess around with, mm-hmm. Christy Cross and Jimmy Licklight. Like they're, and they were all dead. Dang. And that was after, they, we, I was at, I remember that party. Yeah, we're at, yeah, at that part. Yeah. Yeah. It was ours. I yeah. was there too. Yep. Yep. It was a huge, so it's like, and I, I had three pledges in my car and I'm, I'm like, like, and I pledge, I go, God, I am never going to contribute to death again. Only that which brings life. Mm. And I took off bawling, took off mm. and praise Jesus. The mom and the little baby lived. Mm. They, they hel- they brought the helicopter in life lighted out. Wow. She, they lived, but Jimmy and Christy were hamburger. Mm. I didn't see you for a while on campus. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, something was where I was fighting my fraternity brothers. Yeah. Yeah. We we're in fight. We we're it was a war. Yeah. And I didn't have anybody mm-hmm. like that. I was after that. I pulled back because I just I decided to destroy the fraternity mm-hmm. because it was a gang. It was not a fraternity. Yeah. It wasn't even a legal fraternity. No, right? it was illegal. Yeah. yeah. It was. Yeah. Sigma new, but we called <laughs> it was in Sigma new, and no, I mean I was in fights, and mm-hmm. my pin number got pulled, and this is the go back. This goes into navigators, it's not a joke. Mm-hmm. So this is not a joke. So, um, what do you mean you print your pin got pulled? Uh, pin number. Okay. Yeah, for like so, my pin number was four seventy eight. They mm-hmm. pulled me. They excommunicated me. Okay. So this is where I got involved with the Navigators. Okay. It was Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson. Travis Parks. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, the the kicker on the football team. There was this weird hodgepodge group of people. I knew Travis was doing a Bible study at Kill Hefner Hall. Mm-hmm. And it was, I'm like, I had no idea. And I'm like, I associated him with Christianity. I talked to Travis and he said, mm-hmm. come, come to be, come be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And that's where, so one, those guys became my 
family, spiritual family, mm-hmm. introduced me to Joe Magalette, who became mm-hmm. my spiritual dad, who who once again discipled me. Mm-hmm. But that's how I got involved with the Navigators. Yeah. But it was a rough road. Yeah. I had nothing. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> Travis, you know, he would wear umbros and like those horrible cheesy t-shirts like like jesus nailed it (laughs) (laughs) i remember travis (laughs) don't yeah but but his heart was so good and pure and love jesus and you know he's the one that kind of directed me directed me to the Mm navigator like directed me to like how the beauty of disciple making Mm -hmm. and then joe like i said invested in me taught me the bible taught me how to share my story, God's story, taught me the power of evangelism, fellowship, how to live a Jesus-centered life. Yep. And then what I remember, from my point of view, like you came back and were inviting me to go to church all the time. Yeah. And I was thinking, we're in college, why would I want to go to church? Like that's, we're, we're, to, we're supposed to do college stuff. And then one day you said to me, well, just come to, I think it was Myers Hall, and come hear me give my testimony. And I was like, yeah. I had no idea even what that was. Like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'm just going to share my testimony, like what God did in my life. I'm like, okay, whatever. But then that afternoon we had wrestling practice. And that was, that wrestling practice was coach had us do our first, you know, quote unquote matches of the year just against each other. And he had me wrestle with you. And I was like, cause Nate's a terror. Like nobody wants to, you, like you just don't want to. And I wasn't, I wasn't that good. Um, but he signed me to go with Nate. And so my adrenaline's like pumping. I'm like so excited. My first kind of college ish match. And my goal was not to die basically. <laughs> and, uh, we did the first period and it was zero, zero. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like you didn't take me down, nothing. You didn't pin me. And then the second period we get to choose up and down. I chose down and, I was so like the adrenaline and the coach blew the whistle. And I remember doing this, whatever stand up or whatever. And then you just like, let go of me. And I'm like, what? And I turn around and he has his hand on his face. Blood's coming out everywhere. And like, I guess I elbowed your, and your tooth went through your lip. Yeah. My cheek. canine. Yeah. I still have a scar. <laughs> yeah. My canine. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it, so, it, it, like, like, other, like, I picked my lip up <laughs> over my tooth. So, <laughs> So he had to go to the emergency room and I remember being in the emergency room and what struck me was like, you weren't mad at all or you weren't upset at all what happened. And I just threw this like swollen face and I'm like still stuck on the fact that that happened and that I hurt, you know, hurt you and you were stuck on something else. And I remember you saying, Sammy, Satan's trying to stop me but I'm not going to let him. Mm. And I'm like, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? And you said, because you had to give your testimony that night. And that's where you went to. That's where your, that's where your mind was. You're like, I'm not going to let Satan stop me from giving my testimony tonight. And like just the conviction in your heart and just the, just the grit that I saw was like, I thought to myself, he has something that I don't have. Like, you're talking about 
you're calling on like these heaven, heavenly realities, these spiritual dimensions that were not part of my life. And I wanted that. And so I remember then going to Myers Hall that, that night and seeing you, you were all cleaned up, hair is slicked over and you had just a nice sweater on and, and you gave your testimony for them, for everyone to hear. And I thought, wow, I want that. Mm, wow. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. Man, God, do he uses everything, man. Yeah. Use everything. So so who who is this guy that we got in studio today? Well, today, who is this guy? Today Why don't you we introduce have, him? <laughs> yeah, we should probably introduce him. <laughs> today we have uh, Nate Harrison in the studio. Welcome, Nate. Thank Welcome. you. Here Thank you. Uh, in the Chicago area on a Navigator's uh, retreat or a convention or yeah, a conference, yeah. Conference, conference, that yeah. was the word. Yeah. So uh, what's a Navigator's? Tell everyone about that. What do you guys do? Yeah, I mean, if you really, you know, one of my friends asked me, like, what is a Navigator? Mm -hmm. And I think a, the best way to look at it is um, a Navigator helps people navigate spiritually through mm -hmm. life. Like how to engage the Word of God, how to pray um how to share their you know their god story the necessity of fellowship and really how to live a jesus-centered life mm -hmm. if you really that's like that's how to how to be an obedient christian in action mm -hmm. that's what a navigator is and then we help others do the same so we really mobilize the everyday disciple maker and it's not just for colleges because i always thought it was just for campus ministry I thought the same thing, but it's not. No, it's mil so. There's a military wing. There's a collegiate wing. There's a neighboring mm. wing. There mm. is a. I work with Navigator Church Ministries. Um, there is a um, Navigator Twenties. There's Navigator Workplace. Mm -hmm. So there, there's kind of a when you think about it, there's a collective entity mm -hmm. that we impact um, a lot of different arenas. But my my world is the church. Yeah, and, and it, your your title is uh, the Navigator's uh, Life and Leadership Coach, right? That's one of the things I do. So okay. I do. So I'm a life and leadership coach. That's one of the ways we actually function. Is when you're dealing with pastors or church leaders, one of the best ways to um, minister to them is to coach them, like come mm -hmm. alongside them. You're not telling them what to do, but you're helping them self discover. You're you're supporting them. You're, I mean, you're transparent with them. You're authentic with them. You, but you journey alongside. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways to do that is coaching. Mm -hmm. So kind of a, maybe that's our approach. It's a coach approach. Yeah. But, um, but our primary goal is really to build disciple making cultures within the church. Mm -hmm. So um, that's like, if, you know, if use a, Baseball illustration: the home run would be a disciple making culture within a within a church culture, mm -hmm. and that what that means it's disciple making becomes normative. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not like flypaper where like you, you kind of it, it catches here and there. It becomes normative. So that's the cult. A culture is like when you think about a culture, you step back, you go. There's a common language. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I say disciple making or discipleship, everybody knows what we're talking about, mm -hmm. right? You say evangelism, everybody knows what we're talking about, right? There's a common language. 
um, culture produces a value. Like, what do we value? Um, what uh, practices? What are what do we? Where do we want people to spend time? Mm-hmm. That's a culture. Um, celebration. Like, what do the keys celebrate? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, there's a there there like there is a it's what's talked about. Yeah. So if you have common language, you have values, practices, you have common if you know a common narrative of celebration that becomes culture and the purest it, it's super simple but that is what we want to produce within a church but with disciple making that means it's relational it's intentional that we're investing in the next generation mm-hmm. or when we minister it's with generations in mind mm-hmm. so do you see that happening in churches oh. that you go to oh yeah yeah hundred percent it's slow mm-hmm. it's slow and sloppy Mm-hmm. How is it? I'm I'm curious. Like, how is that played out? Like, give me an example of. There's a church. There's a pastor. You're coaching, and give me an example of like how that pastor then disciples his church, which teaches his church to make disciples. Like, what is there a recipe? Is there a formula? Yeah, there's a recipe. There's a formula. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we come alongside the pastor, and basically, most pastors are ne- they're not discipled, right? Like most of the time, they they're mm-hmm. seminary. They, like mm-hmm. they might have had experience in crew or university or navig like navigators maybe collegiately. Most of the time, they're just great guys, great girls that have a heart for God. They want to make a difference for Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So they go to seminary, and then boom, they go into the church. And like I have a seminary degree, but most of the time, it's more it's theological and it's administrative. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we come alongside the pastors, and we actually disciple them. We that's one of the way like co- with coaching. Go back to coaching. Mm-hmm. It's this, and we we use um, multiple works. We use a, a book called The Ways Alongside Are, written by Bill Mowry. There's another book we use called Walk with Me, and so they experience disciple making. And so what we call that is really what you're doing is you're building a core. Okay. Or purposeful leaders, you know, that could be the lead pastor. That's associate pastor. That's, um, some key elders, men's ministry, women's ministry. So you're really building a core. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's purposeful leaderships, right? Like takes about a year to really invest in them. That group, then they shift and they, start to dream and imagine. And what we have them do is they create a picture. Like what, when you're thinking about disciple making, what do you want to produce? Like in your church, mm. creatively, biblically, what do you want to produce? Mm-hmm. What's your picture? It's not random. It's like you're intentionally trying to produce something. After knowing your church, your people. Yeah. And every place is different. Every, and it, yeah. So we're not implementing it. Yeah. We're not implementers. We're just, we come along, we're alongsiders. Mm-hmm. We're trying to build the everyday disciple maker. So then they create the picture. Mm-hmm. So purposeful leadership creates the picture. And then the question is, what's your pathway? A pathway. When you're coming into church context, like here's a big circle, right? Here's co- the congregation. A lot of times there's small groups. It looks different, right? Your circles are becoming smaller. Mm-hmm. It might be men's ministry, it might be women's ministry, it might be small groups, it might be ABFs, adult Bible fellowship groups that meet on Sunday, whatever it is. 
And then, but what what your what is your smaller the smallest circle? Because Jesus worked with you know the big groups. He worked with the twelve, but then they worked with the three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's your smallest circles? What's your pathway to be able to make disciples? So you don't encourage them to get to that smaller circle. You just let them discover if that'll work for their context. Yeah, we're not implementing. We're encouraging the pathway. It needs a, the big needs to move to the small, but we're just simply helping them get there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they're creating that. All right, how do you take a small group ministry and move it to the disciple making ministry? So if you think about it, discipleship is for every Christian. Discipleship. Let me de- here's the definition. Everybody is taking one step closer to Jesus. All right, you can go. You can go to Sunday morning worship service. You can go. You volunteer. You're in your small group. You're taking what really what every Christian is on a journey of discipleship, taking one step closer to Jesus. How do we parent? How do we pray? How do we do what like mm-hmm. makes it like that? Okay. How do okay. we how do we take one step closer to Jesus? That was my next question. Like, what does that look like practically? But you said it like. Being a parent, being a steward of your resources, being a steward of your spiritual gift, like all areas of life, you know, parenting, your marriage, like discipleship, I believe encompasses all of that. That's discipleship. Mm -hmm. Disciple making is like radically different. Can it, can it grab like a Bible? Let me grab that Bible real quick. Mm -hmm. I'll show you something. Historically speaking, we used to say, um, Disciple making, and this is go back to CME, you and I at Ashland University. We used to say Second Timothy two two, the things that we hear, the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust of reliable people mm. who are qualified to teach others. That's that's a great verse, mm-hmm. but it's but it's cognitive. The things that you've heard me say, mm-hmm. it is it is it is a it's a um, it's theological and it's spiritual principles. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. But discipleship is a lot, disciple making is a lot different than that. I'm trying to be a good Bible study here, right here. I'm trying to find 2 Timothy 3.10. Now, listen, 2 Timothy 3.10 is a better passage for disciple making, not discipleship. Mm. Discipleship is 2 Timothy 2.2. Disciple making is this. You, however, have followed my teachings, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my practice, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. You saw what I, and he goes through it. There's like seven or so like movement words in there. Aim, goal, love, way of life, conduct. You knew me. Yeah. You know me. Like, you mm-hmm. knew me. The good and the bad, my sufferings, my hardships, mm-hmm. and you knew me. That's disciple making. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's not, it's, not, it's not linear. It's not programmatic. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a Bible study. It's like you knew my life. Mm-hmm. So, so for the church context, they got to do the purposeful leadership, picture, pathway, practitioners. How do we train the practitioners in that? Like, how do we raise up practitioners? Which is, once again, 
it's epigenosis. It's experiential knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's just not gnosis mm -hmm. knowledge. It's epigenosis. And then, oh, gotcha. Um, and then, and then progress marker. Sorry. And then how do you measure progress? How do you measure? Like, so that becomes the process of disciple making mm -hmm. purposeful leadership, picture pathway, raising up practitioners, which are once again, um, you're, they're, they're taught they're They experience it, but it's also taught. And then what are your progress markers? Like, then what do you celebrate mm -hmm. again? So in a, in a, in your text to me, you talk about the dragon of the church. Yeah. Slaying the dragon. What is that? Um, Let's talk about that. Well, that's a fun one. What did you have in mind? No, the dragon is the institutional church, which is, it's the dragon that we have to slay and fight because it's everything that's, it's counter to how Jesus ministered. It's more pharisaical. Mm -hmm. It would be, it's, um, there's nothing wrong with a statement, right? Healthy things grow. Mm -hmm. Andy Stanley made that, like that, that was big back in the day, back in the nineties. Like there's nothing wrong with growing churches, but the problem with growing churches, most of the time it's, it's, it's the institution. They're worried about more campuses, mm -hmm. right? They're staffing to the beautiful and the sexy, mm -hmm. right? The, the worship leader, right? That wears this sweet little, you know, jeans and has a scarf and the, cool hat and can sing the song and mm. that, that, that they're, they're marketing to the people in the masses. Mm. Mm. It's the, the sermon series, it's the branding, it's the, it's, it, it, it's, it's fast. It's, mm -hmm. it's the fast pace instead of going there's, and there's nothing wrong with great sermon series. There's nothing wrong with bad work, like having great worship sets. There's nothing wrong with small group ministries and kids ministries. But that's the that is the institutional church mm -hmm. that focuses on growth at all costs. So growth is like the goal of it. And in order to achieve that goal, then you have to sacrifice some things and you have to make sure other things are in place. Like you said, these kind of more superficial kind of things, right? And that's how you get something to to grow. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. And disciple making is opposite. It's slow. It's intentional. And it's relational, and it's slow, and it's sloppy, mm -hmm. because it's people. And it'll suck away that energy from that other superficial area, one area, and because you have to devote energy. I mean, because it, it takes a lot of energy to grow, hundred percent to, to grow a baby. <laughs> you yeah, know, to right? grow anything, it takes yeah. a lot of energy, a lot of work, and yeah. it's sloppy and messy, like you said. And the same thing is for growing disciples, right? Hundred percent. I mean, and if you think about development of people, if we say development. CME, like development means like you're expanding a person's capacity. It, it, you can't do that Sunday mornings, it, like expanding, expanding a person's capacity. You can't simply do that with throwing a t-shirt on them mm -hmm. and making them volunteer at the coffee shop or the, you know, the, the welcome team or the tech team, mm -hmm. like, it really, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but expanding a person's capacity to be functional, like even if, like, I mean, think about Ephesians 4, like, 
equipping the body to moving us to maturity mm. means to take something that's not taking something that's not functional mm. and making it functional taking something that's broken mm. mending it healing it and making it functional mm-hmm. that's what we're supposed to be doing within the church mm. it's not throwing a shirt t-shirt on somebody that's um I, that may rile <laughs> some people up because I like I have in mind that that's like a, a common strategy I think that these kinds of churches do where they say okay you want to be discipled or involved in the church well then go do like the tech team or the greeter team and and like that's it then and but there's obviously more right oh like yeah you and, said yeah my old church we had a, a two process discipleship uh ultimatum it was two things get him in a group and get a get him on a shirt and get him in a shirt mm-hmm. and that was discipleship it's not discipleship it's mm-hmm. acquisition mm-hmm. i know for me um when i counted navigators before like the thing that impressed me about them was two things they were about getting in the word and memorizing the word. Mm-hmm. Like that's where the source of life comes from. It comes from God's word. And so discipleship is like my number one thing in life. You know, mm-hmm. everything that I do is framed in discipleship. And if it's not to me, it's like, why am I doing it? And it can happen in many different contexts and different ways. But I think just, you know, joining a small group is good, but that's not discipleship. And so I heard mm-hmm. a guy say years ago, he defined discipleship Pretty simply, he said, life on life. And I was like, yes. Like, from now on for the rest of my life, unless I hear something I think is better, that's how I'm going to define discipleship is life on life. is like my life rubbing against other lives and a life to help them grow in an area that they need growth. In turn, they may help me grow in an area because maybe they're just as spiritually mature as me, but we're less in different areas. Or if it's a new convert, then it's kind of like teaching them what I've learned and and I can take them so far. And at some point in their life, they may be discipled by someone else. hundred percent. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, the, another thing that has struck me is, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of pastors or, or ministry leaders or whatever, they haven't been discipled. So it's like, yeah. how do you make a cake if you've that's, never made a cake before? That's so huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that's why it's big for me because I was discipled for years um, by several different people. And so I understand how big that was in my life. I mean, it was huge. I mean, I would have been like a newborn baby at 48 years old had I had no people discipling me. I'd know John three sixteen maybe, and that's all I would know if I didn't have men investing time in my life and saying, hey, like, what's going on over here? I kind of see that's kind of not jiving well with what Jesus said. Let's talk about that. And I can say, yeah, let's talk about that. And they say, well, how do you see this? And it's like, wow, you know, like I, I didn't know that, you know, I hadn't got that far in the Bible yet. or I didn't understand that to mean that. And it's like, yeah, you know, this is, this is what we do to honor God, to worship God, to grow close with God. And that was my desire. I think being discipled, you have to have a desire for it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think a lot of times people from my experience, some churches have tried to like sneak discipleship up on people because it's kind of a weird thing to say, Hey Sam, like, can I disciple you? Especially Mm -hmm. if you don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. Like if, if Nate would have told you that in college, 
You'd have been like, do what to me? <laughs> like, no, you can't do that. I don't yeah, know what it creepy. is, but you ain't that's doing creepy. it. That's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. But I think at the same time, like you don't have to use those words, but but I think you should be upfront with someone and say, Hey, mm. hey, brother, you know, like I I see like I'd like to enter into a relationship with you and let's walk with Christ mm. together for a season or or five. Do you know what's interesting is like we've done two or three episodes on discipleship and there are least listened to ones. Not surprised. I, I think people hear that word that this whole and they like that's not for me or they're scared. I don't I don't know why, but I I just there's something to that. Yeah, it, I, it doesn't surprise me. I yeah. again like people use trendy new words and you know I get it. Like when you use these old school church words, people get scared because they've been wounded by the church. It's like I'm. If I hear that again, man, I might my head might explode. Mm. It's like, man, I don't care. Mm. I don't care. I'm gonna say Jesus. I'm gonna say sin. Mm. I'm gonna use the word discipleship. I don't know the Greek equivalent, or I would say that, but people wouldn't know the Greek, so mm-hmm. I just stick to English. But I think discipleship is is important, you know, and that all Christians should be in a relationship with someone like that. I think the closest word that people use may be mentor. Mm-hmm. It's like the biggest word in the Chicago land area I hear is like mentor, mm-hmm. mentor, mentor. Mentoring is cool. Like you can mentor someone without even use the Bible, mm-hmm. you know. But I think discipleship as a biblical word has to have the Bible mm-hmm. as part of it. It's like going to Bible study and you don't have a Bible. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what are you doing? Part of what you're doing that like is so it's so awesome to me. You mentioned Lewis the most pastors aren't discipled. Like that is so true. Like for my circles and when I was a pastor, yeah, you because you're supposed to be doing the discipling. So that's, you know, the pastor's job. And it never dawns on like I'm 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 running through a list of pastors in my head right now. And are any of them discipled? Like I, I really don't think so. And so I guess one question is what is it take to get a pastor to realize that they need discipled and maybe to, you know, cry out or ask for a service like navigators or even to seek it. Um, So you can talk about that. But then also along with that, part of the brilliance of that strategy, though, is once the pastor's on board with it, that's where you need to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you can start things in like the youth program or with the, uh, some other underling in the church, but if the senior pastor isn't on board with it, it's huge. Yeah, if, if he is, and they're and they're and they're the person of peace, like you know, missions terminology. They're they're the person of peace, which is that they are the gatekeeper to the community. Mm-hmm. So that's what, why it matters so much. With the pastor. What does a pastor look like when he comes to you? How I mean, how do you get connected with them? Are they? It's, it's different. I mean, they can go to like discipleship.org or they can, you know, it's a friend's referral. It's, it doesn't really, I mean, there's, there are, mm-hmm. it happens all different places. And like, I mean, you, you know this, Sammy. I mean, as a pastor, in the end, you're like, you feel the burn. Mm hmm. You, you're looking out at the masses and you, you're looking at your people and you know that you are not excelling the great commission within these people's lives with mm-hmm. the Western model of how we're functioning. So how do you, so how, so you have a pastor, mm-hmm. hypothetically come to you, they, uh, you know, got a referral from a friend or somebody sure. yeah, and you start talking to them about discipleship. My guess is that they've probably gone to Bible college or seminary. They felt a call from God. 
to preach. And then you become a pastor. That's that's the next step. And however you got to be where you are, whether you started in youth ministry and got to like the senior mm-hmm. pastor or executive pastor role, however you got there, you're there. And now you got a ton of responsibilities. And now I'm going to enter into a relationship with you to coach me on how to make disciples. I, I mean, do people, do, have you ever had it where like, man, I got too much stuff on my plate already. Like, how am I going to add this? Yeah. And you know what we do? They tithe. We say, you're going to tithe 10% of your time. You're going to tithe 10% of your time to disciple making. And if you think about disciple making, this is what it is. How do you move somebody from, if you look at kind of the stages of development, right? You have like the walking dead, right? Spiritually dead mm-hmm. people, right? Like spiritually dead, like the Ephesians 2 people. Then you have the spiritual infant. Which, to be honest with you, most of the church is, I probably bracket them spiritual infants, mm-hmm. right? They can't even, they, they eat milk. That's about it. They can't <laughs> yeah. eat steak, right? Yeah. Then then you go to spiritual adolescence. And adolescents are filled with energy, but extremely self-centered. We could probably put most of our elders there, right? Like, be honest. Like, most people are either spiritual infants or spiritual adolescents. And then you move them, how do you move them to a spiritual adult, like mm. a Barnabas mm. and a Paul? Mm. So disciple making is that process of moving people to spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. Like a spiritual mom and dad that are living um, sacrificially. They're living, they're not living for themselves. It's not about the worship set. It's not about the sermon. It's about like living for Jesus. They're in the field. They're in the field because they know the field is ripe and they're working, harvesting. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, how do you move that? That makes it, and that is discipleship. Do you have um, some people in mind? Like, think of a, a couple of people that you know, spiritually mature people, and could you describe them? Like, what their lives are like in the church and community. Uh, my wife, uh, to my wife, she's, okay. she's, um, shout out to Lisa, shout out to, and, and, um, you know, Carrie and Adam, like mm-hmm. the Casals, like they're, they're, they're empty. They live sacrificially. It's not about, it's not about them. Mm-hmm. It's about the next generation. Like, I think, I think a spiritual parent always thinks about th- this is what the one that make. It's generations in mind. Mm-hmm. It's not about their generation. It's about the next one. Mm, I and they, like that. Yeah, that's for real. Mm. Generations in mind. It's not about them. Mm. And yeah, they got church hurt. They do. They get like you talk like they got like they got pain. They got cuts. They're wounded. They're broken. They're beautiful and broken, but they keep laboring. And I think that's the big difference. So they minister with generations in mind. Mm-hmm. And it's about then they're investing in those babies mm-hmm. and they're investing in the teens because they want to great. They want to grow them up. And, and that's the problem. And suddenly that verse, which verse did you read? Second Timothy uh, three ten. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense then. Right. I mean, because it's Paul talking about, you've seen like my whole way of life, you know, you, Yes. You have to be pretty, like you said, Lewis, life on life, and it's over a long period of time. Yes. It has to be. Yeah. And it's slow, and it's sloppy, mm. and but it's both intentional, Sam, 
intentionality, and it's relational. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, I, I love um, what you said. And I just think that when I think about discipleship, you know, it's it's even hard to, like, get people to buy into it. You know, like, I'm always trying to reach out to people and say, hey, man, let's get together. You know, and you get together once and it's like, let's get let's get together weekly. Let's get together, mm-hmm. you know, once a month, twice a month. And it's like there's always some reason slash excuse, you know. And then I'm, I'm just a forward type of guy. So I'm like, hey, you know, I, I really see a lot in you, you know, a lot of potential, a lot of damage you can do for the kingdom of God. Um, and, you know, I see the gifts that God has given you. Like I'd like to, you know, walk with you and learn some things from you and share some things with you. And, um, you know, I don't give many callbacks or text backs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, man, maybe it's me. Like, it's my breath stink. You know, mm-hmm. I, I take a no, shower. Oh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I think, I don't think everybody needs to be discipled. I don't, I don't think everybody's ready. Like my, one of my mentors, Bill Mowry, he says that we need to be people of faith. They need to be faithful. They need to be available. They need to have initiative. They need to be teachable. And they had, they need to have a heart for God and heart for others. And if they don't have that, Lewis, it's not time. Yeah. It's I, not time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get that. I get that, especially if it's someone who has maybe been a Christian for a fair amount of years, you know, three, four, five years, and they've kind of become part of the machine at church. Yes. And they're doing all the things the church says do. And if discipleship isn't a part of that, now I'm asking them to do something that the machine hasn't asked them to do. Mm-hmm. And now they may be looking at me like, well, my faith is in what the church has me doing. You're talking about something different when the church is talking about versus a new convert, somebody that's on yes. fire. Yeah. And they're like, I want to know more about this Jesus. Like those people seem like they may, you may be able to grab those a little bit easier because they're like ignorant in a lot of ways and they haven't become part of the system or the machine yet. Mm-hmm. So they haven't been like tainted mm-hmm. with what they think being a Christian is all about. It's not all about, the organization of the church, the organism of the church, like life, like, like most people only in church, maybe a handful of hours a week. What about the rest of the hours of the week? You know, and it's just back to life as normal. It's like, no, how do I, how do I learn how to be a Christ follower? If I'm just going to go to church once a week and maybe a small group. Mm, exactly. It's right. like a slow drip. Yeah. I'm going to get a slow drip of things and that means the rest of the stuff is still dominating my life. So like you said, how do you go, grow into maturity? You yeah. can't grow into maturity like that. You're going to be 80. Yeah. If you live that long. Well, that and and I think that's another thing what we specialize in, Lewis, with and like Navigator Church Ministries, we make a, a culture. So if you remember Ashland like back in the university days, mm-hmm. there was a culture. Mm-hmm. We had a cult like we had a tribe. Mm-hmm. It was a and it was a tribal thing. Like we were sharing our faith. We yeah. were doing dorm Bible studies. And it was not a Christian school. No, it wasn't. No. And but what we were laboring and sharing our stories and scripture memory testimonies. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. It was a culture. Mm-hmm. And we're investing. We were investing our lives into, you know, the young. Mm-hmm. You know, and shoot, we were young. Yeah. Shoot, we're, we're like we're twenty one years old. Yeah. And we're just. But we just, as we were taught, we did, mm-hmm. and we invested, mm-hmm. and then we kept going. It became there was a cultural reality. I think that's the issue, Lewis. Like the, 
That's why we have to change church cultures. It's not programmatic. It's re- it needs to be relational. It's not fast. It's slow. Yeah, but you got you know what I'm saying? Mean, that's the big in difference. The, in the Chicago land area, you got these mega people yeah. who are all about vision and like casting vision and that's entails bigger buildings and getting more people in and bigger programs mm-hmm. and growing the kid. Like all mm-hmm. what stuff we talked about in the beginning, like these visionary people who and I consider myself one, you know, it's all about dreaming and things are just getting huge. And that's where I kind of tail off because my vision is about isn't about things getting huge. Mm. It's about things getting smaller. Mm. Yeah, you know? but, yeah. And, and but here's the question though: You know, did a sermon series change the world? Did a worship set? Did one more campus? What changed the world was Jesus's methodology. Of investing in twelve people, amen, and not amen. traveling more, not traveling more than like 10, 20 miles away from. You know home. what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. a big deal. Like he invested in, and in, in, he invested in really the three even more. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so. If we did what Jesus did, that's radically different than going this big show mm-hmm. and this big production. And it's so out of touch with everyone's lives sitting there. Like that's what I've observed. Like the bigger, the bigger the church is, the less in touch, in it, conversation, the less of input that the average congregation member has. Yeah, and you better believe they feel it. I mean, they may they may applaud and love the fact that their senior pastor is someone and has written books and they have all these great programs and outreaches that reach all these people. But I think inwardly they, we. <laughs> Build up a lot of resentment because I don't have any input. I'm just a, I'm I'm just I'm just there for the show, like you said. Yeah, and they and they really don't know me or care. I can see that. And but disciple making, not just discipleship, mm-hmm. empowers the people. That my life matters. Mm, amen. My story matters. My neighborhood matters. Like, that's a big deal. Like, I matter for the kingdom of God. Like, that is a big mm. deal. You're, you're empowering the everyday disciple maker mm. for the works of service. I get it. Because, like... You know what I'm saying? Because, like, now if I go to a, a big church, I think that all these programs matter. Right. My senior pastor matters. My... All these other leaders, and those are the things that matter. Right. right? You flip it. But you're saying, no... I, they, the, 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 the person per, yes. matters. The person that you matters. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm trying to say. That's, that's a big, that's a big thing. And then if you empower them and you invest in them and you, you entrust in them, we, we have more, Sammy, we have how many millions and billions of dollars do we have in church structures right now? Mm-hmm. And to be honest in the end. Chicago land to, to Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. We have never been more ineffective mm-hmm. as a church. Ineffective, yeah. Ineffective, yeah. yeah. Ineffective because we are not mobilizing our masses and it's come and see and we're not sending people out. Mm-hmm. As you go through life, make disciples of all the nations. Mm-hmm. It's not writing a check to Africa. It's going as you go through your own life where you live, work, and play and worship, mm. make disciples of all nations. And we have never been 
we are ineffective mm-hmm. because we are not empowering the people to be everyday disciple makers. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to do. Like that that's the flip. Now that's what we're trying to do. It and the sad thing is, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, it's better internet, it's easier internationally because the spirit's fresh, hot, fast. Yeah, yeah, that's we wanna we wanna get to that because I'm excited to hear about the international part. So um we'll be check us out. We'll be right back. <laughs> have an international role right? i do what is that same um, thing um same thing same thing it is same thing. So t- yeah tell us about that it's well don't tell us about the same thing tell us about the difference between yeah, the international and domestic here in the u.s okay like what's the difference I, I just think that there's honestly i think internationally i think it's just a simply it's a, a spiritual sensitivity which um countries places are you um, right now I'm, I'm right now I, I work in Nigeria. We work in Uganda. I work in Kenya right now. Mm. Um, it's, I, I just feel, and, and, and those roles dominantly are coaching. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I've trained the Navigator Church Ministries team in Kenya in this area. We talked about like disciple making culture, growing disciple making cultures, but it's just, there is, I just think there's a more of a, there's a sensitivity, like mm-hmm. they want to be empowered. And I think, feel like a lot of times what happens with the pastors today, like here in the States, is like squirrel, you know, they're, it's off to the latest and greatest. Mm. I feel internationally, it's more like there, there's a, there's a feel, there's a, I don't know, there's like a need, there's a want, mm-hmm. there's a passion to grow and learn. Um, and of course there, 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 I mean, there's, there's sin issues, but man, they're just more, I think, spiritually sensitive collectively. And why do you mm-hmm. think that is? I, I think Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think, especially in Africa, the, the gospel is on fire. Mm-hmm. There's something there. There's something deeply true, authentic. And it's, just, it's, I, 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 there's no, I don't think there's any way around it. I think it's the, I know it's the Holy Spirit. Wow. So, so would you say, would you say that the same Holy Spirit that is working there is here, but maybe we're too caught up on things and chasing the squirrels to be sensitive to the Spirit? Or do you feel like there's just a outpouring going on there that's not going on here at all? You know, Lewis did his work on like the screw tape letters and. Mm-hmm. One of the major arguments, I, I, was it Wormwood? I don't remember which, yeah. was it Wormwood? The, there was a convert and they're having this, the, these demons are having this dialogue about like distracting him. Mm-hmm. And one of the major tactics was keep him busy. He's going to be busy. Keep him busy. He's going to be ineffective. And I think that's the problem mm. right now. I think we're so busy. Mm. 
we're yeah. so busy. And not just with church stuff, just Every life stuff. Life. Like yeah. it's not church. It's just not yeah. small group leading. It's not just yeah. like serving coffee. It's like, I think we're so busy that our busyness is satanic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know um, you might not know this, but I spent some time in prison and that's where I met Christ. And for me, the, one of the clearest things that I saw that baffled me was when I got out of prison, I just, I can't remember the exact verse, but it talked about us being in the world, but not of the world. And I remember how much mm. I saw people at church and people I got to know, they looked almost and acted no different than the people who weren't in the church, minus except maybe not cussing and, you know, doing some of the, the outward things that everybody could see. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, I thought the church was going to look different. I just thought it was going to be different. And you know what, man? I hate to say what I'm about to say, but mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't slipped into that to mm-hmm. a certain degree. I mean, I honestly feel that way, man, because of, of the distractions of trying to raise a child in this culture. And when little Timmy and little Jessica next door is doing band and soccer and little league and peewee, and I gotta, I, my, I gotta get my kids in that same stuff. And and guess what? I gotta do all this other extra stuff for work because I'm trying to climb some kind of ladder, mm-hmm. whether it's a corporate ladder or some other kind of ladder. But mm-hmm. it's like I'm chasing all these things that everybody else is chasing. And it's like, where is my time to chase Jesus? Mm-hmm. Where is my time to serve? And I'm not talking about shaking somebody's hand when they come into church. I'm not talking about working a light show or a camera in a church or doing an announcements at a church. Like mm-hmm. that stuff is cool, but it can't just stop there. And that's what I that's what I saw, and that's what I I feel like I still continue to see for the most part. And it's like it it, it just messed me up, man. It, it, it actually had me questioning: Was I crazy? And did I learn something that's wrong? Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm saying all that to say, like, I think, because I've never been to Africa, but I've heard a lot and I've known some missionaries in Africa. And, and and in some countries, it's a more simpler way of life. There's not many distractions. They're simple people, not that they're simple minded, but there's not a lot of things and also a lack of education and a lack, lack of resources. But in a way, people are more humble in a way, people are more in tune and more intuitive with things because they don't have all those distractions. And so it's like if the church could be more like other people in other countries and be less distracted, maybe they could be more in tune with the spirit as it speaks. And it can and and we as a, a Christian nation can start seeing the Holy Spirit doing more amazing crazy things in this country like we hear about happening in these other countries yeah and i think too like i mean Mm. in africa we'll just say or other countries i mean you really are dealing with a radical individualism here like it's all about me like this Mm. is radical individualism over there it's more communal yeah that's huge it's huge it's just it's go back to culture right that's a cultural reality Mm. but i also think you know I, I've been challenged lately, like I I can't remember who it was, but um the 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 challenge was the pastor or the modern missionary, we need to be um contemplative. We need to be processing, like deep, like deeply processing, contemplating the truths of God. 
Like that is not happening in most circles. And I got challenged. I'm like recently going like, how do I, am I contemplating the deep truths of God? Mm -hmm. Am I breaking free mm -hmm. from the distractions? Like you're mm -hmm. saying, mm -hmm. right? My girls look lacrosse and boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. Like a thousand things under the sun. Am I contemplating the deep truths of God? Am I con am I connecting? Am I really abiding mm. in Jesus? Mm. Am I remaining in Him? I think the Greek word is like make your home with Him. Mm -hmm. It's not just remain. It's not abide, which are churchy, but making your home with Jesus so that you can bear fruit. That's a big deal. <coughs> like that's a not a that is not a joke. Yeah, and let me mm -hmm. say this real quick. Like, there's nothing wrong with kids and band and lacrosse no, and soccer. But when you're sacrificing your discipling of your family mm -hmm. because all these <clears throat> all these things are taking your time, then to me, that's becoming an idol in a sense. You know, we're, we're teaching mm -hmm. our kids to participate in all this stuff. And it's okay to go to youth group on, on whatever day your church has it and then go to church. And that's all you need. Now, I don't think that's all you need. I mean, if that's if that's our spiritual food, then we're all spiritually starving mm -hmm. if we're living a life like that. And as parents, if we're starving, then our kids are probably starving, mm -hmm. too. And that's what I feel. And that's what I love about the navigators, you know, because, you know, again, like what I learned is that they're about the word of God. That's that's where we feast. That's where we can connect with God mm -hmm. one on one or a small group of us or a big group of us. But to be like eating the scriptures, if you will digesting them mm -hmm. and let that cause motion in our lives. Not to just sit back and be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word and going out here actually doing things. And so, I, yeah, man, I, I don't know. All I could be is me and try to do what I can do. But I, I wish discipleship could be something that my brothers and sisters in America would take more seriously mm -hmm. and actually start implementing. There's a book on my, uh, on my little stand where I read at home. I haven't opened it up yet, but I know what it's about. It's called it's called Wanting. I think it's by Lewis Burgess, but he is a um, a guy who knows the works of uh, I think he's French, sounds French philosopher Rene Girard, and Rene Girard's whole thesis um, was about human motivation, and he says we're mimetic creatures; we, we imitate each other. And he says, like, that's the whole, like, that's the deepest form of motivation that hu humans have. And Rene Girard himself uh, was a Christian. I think he was Catholic. But he recognized that. And we're always imitating each other. Like, that's so, like, if the kids next door are in soccer, for instance, if they're doing all this, they're doing, then we, that's that keeping up with the Joneses thing. He says, that'll motivate us, like, more than anything. And so I hear you talking about these discipleship cultures. It's like, if you have people around you who are doing it, then I'm going to feel more, more like doing it, mm -hmm. more like imitating that, right? So like, I think of a Carrie or a Adam and like, if they're in my circles in my church and I see what they're doing and how they're living their lives, it's like, I want to, I want to be more like that, you know, rather than chasing these things over here, because let's not kid ourselves. You're going to have to get rid of some things. We, you, we can't do it all. Like there's only only so much food you can jam in your mm. in your face. There's only so many activities. So there's, I want people to hear that. They're going to have to make some sacrifices. Maybe someone can't do an activity, right? Maybe some things have to be cut out. Yeah. Maybe there's programs from your church that don't make sense. Like have you had 
in 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 working with churches. I'm sure you have, where a, a senior pastor has caught this vision and he's uh, maybe gutted is too strong of a word, but gotten rid of some sacred cows in the church, some programs. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, I mean, because that could destroy a church. Well, one of the things we do have them do is read Simple Church. That's like one mm-hmm. of the you know kind of that step like that reduction we need to reduce. Like we can't do everything under the sun. Most churches do everything or attempt to do everything Mm -hmm. under the sun and they're not good at it. Nobody is. Yeah. So keep it simple, like focusing on, you know, your worship service. We, we think groups, we think, um, we think kids, we think outreach to our, uh, our locale. Like we, we talk on this, it's a theology of place. Like your place matters. Like, Mm. Your town matters. And okay. I'm not talking out here. We're talking, where are you located? Mm-hmm. Like your place matters. And mm-hmm. keeping, so if you focus on those four things, it's going to be radically reductionist. You're going to reduce. So say those four things again that you focus on. Um, Sunday morning service, mm-hmm. you got to be excellent, right? Mm-hmm. You Think groups, everything. Everybody has to think groups. Mm-hmm. Um, think youth. And think your town. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And there's different things like there's come and see events with that, you know, coming into mm-hmm. your church, but there's therefore go. Mm-hmm. But think your town. Think mm-hmm. your place. There's a theology of place. Like Samaria was a place. Mm-hmm. Jesus went. We think, we think so, we don't think about place. Like our place matters. Um, I, we like I told I said this in the other um, uh, episode here. We have pastors tithe ten percent of their time to disciple making. That me ten percent. That you're cutting. You're not doing something. You got to cut something out. So those pastors are themselves being discipled or discipling someone else or either. Either or. Yeah. Yeah. Ten percent of your time is dedicated to disciple making. That's great. So would you? So I heard a person years ago say that the church is a place for the equipment of the saints for ministry. What are your thoughts in regards to that? Oh, I agree with that, hundred percent. Yeah. And to go back to my maturity statement, like I think the church needs to be designed around development, mm-hmm. right? Like Ephesians four, like taking something that's broken and fixing it taking something that's not functional and making it functional. Yeah. Well, how do you do that? Like, you, I mean, sermons matter, but most of the time, if you really think about it, the coach's speech matters, right? The sermon matters, mm-hmm. the coach's speech. But really when he's like, when you're with wrestling, when we're taught, what do you experientially, where do you learn? It's yeah. on the mat. Yeah. Like you're, it's, it's, you really learn when yeah, you get, get with your partner, you get, do it's it. not kicked out of you. Even more so going live, going live. Yep. So that's how do you, how do, how do we expand people's capacity? It's by doing and using their God given gifts, man. There's, I think this is the reality is so many people within the church are not living out their full potential. Amen. They don't Amen. know their, they don't know their, they don't know the dreams of God and they don't know themselves. Amen. I do Amen. see that a lot. Like if we do teach about something at a church that the, 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 like, like the coach's speech, it's just, that's it. It's given, but then that's it. So rarely do the leaders then or whoever come and, you know, elbow with elbow and, 
do the thing with you. There you go. Yeah. And practice it. There you go. And that's disciple making. Disciple yeah. making Jesus. Like what like was it teaching that Jesus modeled or was it laughing over the campfire and we don't know a lot of what happened mm-hmm. at the dinner table. Like mm-hmm. we don't know it was all of it. You know what I mean? It was the teaching, it was the living, it was the modeling. Mm-hmm. It was like and we forget that. And mm-hmm. it's the second Timothy three tenth ten, mm-hmm. ten principle, not second Timothy two two. It's not mm-hmm. all cognitive. It does matter. Like theology and biblical principles matter. They yeah. do, right? It's, like, but so does life. Yeah, you you need both. You yeah. need the it's like John 1 14 and the word, the logos became flesh. You need the word, you need the thing that you're aiming for, right? The the instructions. But then you need to enflesh them. You need to live them out. The word needs to become flesh. And I do think that in churches or just personally, like we err on one side or the other. And and I like talking about the theme of bumper sticker faith a lot because that's part of like where I was in my story where I just thought it was logos, you know, just word, how much I know and can I know more than this guy, that guy and teaching and that. And it's like, it was just, that's just a superficial BS bumper sticker then. And where's the enfleshment of it? And to do the enfleshment of it, you you need to slow down. You need to learn less sometimes. Yeah. And and to put into practice what you uh, have learned. And that's a danger in this culture that we have access to so many teachings and podcasts and learning that you can just learn a ton. And that it can become really destructive mm-hmm. because one part of your brain is just getting out of control and you're not able to... Uh, put it into practice and grow mm-hmm. to be integrated is the word, right? Mm-hmm. To be and, whole. And I've had to repent of that, man. Like I, I was the same way, like no more. Here's my stack of books. And honestly, like I'm 50. Like I, I, when I, if I'm honest, when I step back, I think Jesus teach me to live like you and love like you. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a truth there. I mean, theology matters, right? But I don't know, man. I think if we just, if we live like Jesus loved, like, like he, he is period, right? Like Mm -hmm. back in the day, back in the nineties was like, there's t-shirts said Jesus period. Mm -hmm. I I just think that's the truth. Mm -hmm. And we've just like, we've forgotten that. We are obsessed with more. And that goes back to the institutional church. It's Mm -hmm. the, the obsession of more. We're wantful. Mm-hmm. And, so so yeah. if we're trying to slay that dragon, we're like the hobbits, right? We are the hobbits. <laughs> Close to the ground. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you know, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think about, again, discipleship and in the church, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm naturally a pessimist. And so when I hear you talk about coaching pastors and stuff, and I, I think about I've been a part of, you know, in some intimate parts of some churches before in my past. And, you know, people are insulating themselves from other people and Mm -hmm. people are strategizing on how to, you know, dress. And, you know, we can only have 20 minutes for the service because we got another service. And if we go over, we're going to go into this. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, golly, man, like, you know, then I was like, man, what about, you know, so I remember being in this class one time before and, and I, and somebody, it wasn't me brought up and I'm glad it wasn't me. Like, (laughs) You know, you got to have give time for the spirit to move. 
you know, when you're up there preaching. Mm-hmm. And the, the person's remark was, well, the spirit was moving when I put my sermon together, you know? So mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, what do you, how how you speak against that? Mm-hmm. Right. Like hopefully the spirit was moving you when you were putting your sermon mm-hmm. together. So they were kind of saying that to say like the spirit gave me this mm-hmm. 20 minute sermon that I have. So no, there is no room to go outside of that. And the worship music, you can't go over. So if I'm the leader and I'm being led by the spirit and like, I want to, I want to kind of keep going. Like, what if at Asbury mm-hmm. that this renewal or revival, mm-hmm. whatever just happened like a month ago or how many weeks ago, what if those people would have been like, we got to be done by eight o'clock. Get out, go to class. <laughs> we got to be done by eight o'clock. Yeah. And that's it. And I'm the worship leader and I'm, I'm feeling led to, to keep singing mm-hmm. or, or I'm a person that's going to get up and, and give a testimony or pray. And I'm like, well, man, you know, we got to be out of here by eight. So yeah, I'll wait until mm-hmm. next week. You know, and mm-hmm. to me, that's a culture. Yeah. That's a culture that's in churches, man. Yeah. I'm talking denominational churches, non-denominational churches. And I, again, that was one of those things that, you know, I saw. And I granted, when I was in prison, like there was a time that the we needed to be back in our cell, mm-hmm. right? So I get the whole time. But it's like I'm listening to like 45, 50-minute sermons. You know what I mean? I guess that's how I was raised, right? Mm-hmm. So when you get raised a different way, but it was like you got a chance to sit there and really dig in and get something to chew on. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. I think uh, also attracting people. Like I think a lot of church culture has become about how do we – we want to reach the neighborhoods, and our strategy is we need to not have a long sermon – we need to not use churchy words. We mm. need to dress really nice. The music needs to be quality of what people are mm. listening to on the radio or on their stream, you know, whatever, listen to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Like, it needs to be those qualities or we're not going to get people in the church. And it's like, but if you did discipleship, yeah, like, is that not a way that you can get people in the mm-hmm. church? I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best way. Now, that's just my opinion. And I'm not Jesus, so I can't say what's right or wrong. But I think that makes more sense because the mindset of attracting the people in the neighborhood that don't come, a lot of times you're stepping over the people who are already in the in the, in the seats. It's like, what about those people? And then you're modeling your form of worship after people who don't worship. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Seems like there's something I want to attract. With I want to attract the people in the neighborhood, but I don't want to feed the sheep that are yeah. here. The, and the problem yeah. is that this is a missional dynamic. The problem is we have. I think it was Abdu Murray wrote a book called like Saving. I think it was called Saving Truth, and he talked about there's in today's culture like we're a post truth culture, and we have de church people and unchurched. Right, mm. the church would be like you're talking. You you made this comment, you know, they're Methodist. They got hurt. They're mm-hmm. not coming back. Right, they're de they're de church. Mm-hmm. Unchurch means like they have no, there's no. They didn't grow up in the church at all. Never like, been to a church. Not, that was me. Never yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. They the de church and the unchurched don't care about what you do in the church. Mm. You're matter of fact, they're not going to even come. Mm. They think your pastor is a cheese ball. They don't, they (laughs) they think your they think your worship is horrible and they're not going to come because you have a nice brand and logo. Mm -hmm. And so you know, what's going to happen. The only way they're going to come is if they're loved Mm -hmm. by their neighbor. It's so true. And by their friend. 
We and we don't think about that. Mm-hmm. So and that's way more powerful, anyways. It is, and that's yeah. like so. De church unchurched, they're not coming. They mm-hmm. don't care. Yeah, they're not coming to your, yeah. your. They're not coming to your Christmas Eve service. Yeah, they don't care. But you hear the story where Susan and John, they did. T- Tony, one of the guys, has been in the church since we started eight years ago, and he invited them, and they came, and now they're serving, and now they're in a small group. That was eight years ago, and that's a lot of money and time. <laughs> but, but but it doesn't matter because Jesus owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the. I mean, I'm I'm being facetious here, but but you get what I'm saying is like we'll celebrate. Man, this person found a Bible in the trash can and got saved. So let's all go throw our Bibles in trash cans. No, we don't do that. Yeah. No, we're not gonna be concerned with all these other people. Mm-hmm. Let's let's invest in the people who come. Mm-hmm. Whether that's one or mm-hmm. a thousand, let's deeply invest in them, equip them, because that thousand people that's in there is going to be a lot more effective by discipling mm-hmm. someone out the doors of the church than they are being effective of saying, "Come pet, come pet my sheep that we got at church, mm-hmm. or come see this cool play we got, or come come see this amazing like coffee house." Yes, yeah, we got the best coffee around. At least come to the cafe and get some good coffee. Like, it's like and the- again, I'm not against those. Like those things are great for people in the church, mm-hmm. and it's great for people out of the church. But I love what you said, like. That's not as impactful as Mm-mm. I know my neighbor over here and their dad just died. Yeah, yeah. And you know your neighbor's name. Yeah, yeah. and I'm yep. gonna go talk yep. to him and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go be there for them. I'm gonna take them some food. Yep. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna put them on the meal train at church because I got these weird old people I don't know sending me. I'm gonna be that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be that. Myself. I'm gonna sacrifice. I'm gonna spend more of my money. I'm going to spend more of my time and I'm going to love on my neighbor. And then I believe that the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is going to be working. And at some point we're going to be having conversations mm-hmm. about Jesus. And that will change the world. Mm-hmm. I got a, I got a clip I'm going to play. All right. Us. It's something that <laughs> our friend, he was on this podcast before Mike Stanzik this past Sunday, he was preaching and this clip just kind of, I'm still thinking about it. So I have it here. The audio quality is terrible because I just held my phone up to it. Um, but we'll listen to it. And then reaction, it, he he like links worship with, of all things, discipleship. Mm. And it just really excites me. But then there's another piece of this. So I, I want to point out something that he says in Romans 15 that applies beyond ethnicity and, and just to, to discipleship itself. So Paul in, in Romans 15 He says this, that he was made a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Think about what that means about how Paul sees his disciples. Each of us have been entrusted with people so that we can draw them to God. For parents, that's your children. For, for, for all of us, that's our friends. That, that's anybody that God has put in our path where, where we are seeking to, to draw them closer to Jesus. And think about the way that Paul regards the Gentiles. He sees all these disciples of his as his offering. Paul is setting out to worship the Lord. And the way that he is doing that is that, is that he's, he's doggedly pursuing discipleship with the people around them so that he can hand them to God. 
he sees himself as, as making an act of worship out of these people. That doesn't mean he's treating them like a means to an end. It, it means that he understands what discipleship really is. Is that in the final analysis, there will be all these people before the throne of God and all of them, God brought them to his throne through somebody. And that will be that person's act of worship at the throne. The, the fact of that person being there will be the disciples' act of worship. It'll be an eternal testament to the fact that he worshiped and was used by God. Which raises the stakes of how we do discipleship. It raises the stakes of how we parent. The stakes are extremely high, but, but also incredibly beautiful. You, you are right now, through your friends, these different relationships, you are right now preparing an offering to God. And so treat each interaction that way as though you are preparing an offering to God. Wow. I ain't got nothing else to say behind that. I want to worship, you know, I want to give God my all, my best. And I think typically, as we've talked about, it's a very individualistic thing. Like, have I used my talents, gifts, individual abilities, and have I made these sacrifices? Am I giving those to God? But Mike, through Paul in Romans 15, is saying, no, there's a community to your worship too. And there's, there's the people in your life that you're discipling, that you're raising up your family, your friends, and that that are part that are part of my worship. I just love that. Amen. Well, well, Nate, as we start to close up, man, any last word, any 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 last thing you want to say about discipleship as we come to a close? No, I think I mean in the end, like you matter, like. God has gifted you, all of us, uniquely and beautifully. God's given us all a story, right? I just think so often we shelve ourselves and we forget that truth. Mm. And we don't excel the Great Commission through our own lives. I think discipleship is this. As you go through life, make disciples of all nations. Mm. And that's not the pastor. That's all of us. Amen. As you go through life make disciples of all nations and God has empowered you, gifted you, you know, live a Jesus centered life, know the word, pray and understand the power of fellowship and, 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 and God's story. That's the obedient Christian in action. Amen. Amen. Sam. I'm done. Done. I'm all right, y'all. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of Bumper Sticker Faith. If, man, you find any value in this, pass it along. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until then, man, we'll see you next week. But don't go stepping in no BS. Peace. Peace.